Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning. Oops, there's my background. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's pre-market prep. Spencer Israel, Dennis Dick, Joel is out on vacation. I know it is sad. We we tried to convince him to stay, but we couldn't compete against the allure of Northern Michigan. But the show must go on. Hope you all had a great weekend. What are we going to talk about today? You know we're going to talk about Virgin Galactic and all the space stocks, obviously. Right, obviously that'll be the lead story of the day. Uh, big mover of the day on my radar. We had some uh, drug news out on Friday afternoon. Ticker CLDX. We're going to talk market structure with Tim Quast at eight thirty-five, and we'll talk this week uh, IPOs with Matt Hammond at nine o'clock. Go ahead and smash that like button. Get the week off to a great start. If Joel were here, he would say, "Well, the uh, the S and P's." I've got. <laughs> I've got the spy up because I'm more of a spy guy. So spy is down 73 cents this morning. Let's go over to GLD, which is down uh, 30 cents this morning. We've got USO oil down as well. I'm more interested in Bitcoin this morning because crypto is getting punished. Why? I don't know. Bitcoin is down 2%. Ethereum is down also like 2%. So crypto is down and falling this morning um dennis how was your weekend i just saw this is off topic but i just saw that the senators hired pierre mcguire really i didn't see that when does that happen front office stuff i don't know everybody hates pierre mcguire in canada it's probably because he's tsn analyst for so long and he's very um Mm-hmm. He does on every single player. He always talks about where they played in junior, what they did in junior, and it's like so much in depth on all the players. I always like Pierre Maguire. I okay. like that background okay. stuff. I was like one of the only people that like. I actually like Pierre Maguire. Okay, he is knowledgeable, man. Okay. There is no doubt Pierre Maguire knows a lot about hockey. He knows a lot about what makes a good hockey player. He watches them young. I like that. What's what he doing with Ottawa? Did they say? Scouting department? Player development stuff. I don't know. Player de- that's good, man. Anyway. I like Pierre Maguire. I know a lot of Canadians are going to say, oh, you like Pierre Maguire. But you know what? I like Pierre Maguire. I was one of those that actually, Pierre, I like you. Okay. Did you watch the uh, the stream over the weekend? The, the, yeah, the, the launch? The unit? Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah, you, me too. Yeah. So what were your thoughts? I'll let, give you your, let, let you give you your thoughts first. Um, well, for, uh, for this, this is actually fun, a little bit funny. So uh, I, I realized I remembered about it on Sunday and I, I, I turned it on. And I was like, oh, like Benzinga could, could, could restream this. So I did. 
from Benzinga, but by the time I got the stream up, they were already on the way down. Oh, yeah. oh you missed it. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I watched it live while I was getting that set up, and um, yeah. I, you know, the feed obviously had some you know glitches. Uh, wasn't yeah, it wasn't great. In the world, very surprised to see Stephen Colbert there for some reason, and um, but oh, I mean, it seemed cool. It was a little short, but it seemed cool. I mean, the actual in space part I'm referring to, uh, yeah, was a little short, but seemed seemed cool. Uh- I, I think you hit the nail on the head a little short. Um, I expected that it was going to be longer than like two minutes in space. Yeah. Like somebody's paying a quarter mil, you're going to blast them up. It's 90 minute ride. Like yeah. you, you, I, we all heard like it's like 80, 90 minutes. So I was like, oh, I thought they were going to be in space for a while. I don't know why. I thought like I, I never really thought about the logistics of it. I guess it can't orbit. I just thought they'd be up there more than like a minute and a half or two minutes. So they they basically blast them off for anybody who hasn't seen it. You know, they're flying around with the, the other you know plane or whatever that's carrying them. And then eventually, you know, they, they drop that and they let that blast straight off into uh, into into um, outer space. So it just gets yeah. to the gist of the fringe. And then they just basically let it fall back down. So it's basically rocket ship shooting it straight up and then it's letting it fall back down to Earth. And you get that one or two minutes that you're up there in space, you can have the great view and you feel that weightlessness and they're going to ask you to get strapped back in. So... Well, I was very disappointed that it was only going to be like I always said. This is something cool. I would do this, you know, if I had the money, you know, a quarter of a million dollars just to burn. Right. Um, you know, it sounded pretty cool. But it's going to be a minute up there, quarter million for a minute. I don't know. I guess you get all the experience of the rocket ship getting blasted off, and that's probably where I'd get sick, and probably wouldn't work out for me anyways. I'd throw yeah. up in the one minute that I can look out the window, but I don't know. So I- I'm overall disappointed actually that it was only that long. Um, from a stock perspective, I tweeted out last night what I thought was going to happen. I was like, I think the stock actually is going to take the trajectory of the ship. I think it's going to blast off at 4 a.m. and then fizzle out and then come back down to Earth. Let's show the chart and see how I did. This is a one-minute chart. So that first candle... It was, it was all in the first minute. So it didn't blast off. I thought it might stay up there for a bit. It didn't even stay up there. It literally, totally the first minute was the trajectory of the ship. It, it all in the first minute, trade up to almost $60 in the first minute just after 4 a.m. Again, the 4 a.m. traders, the ones that have to get in there to buy it, wake up early at 4 a.m., they're usually on the wrong side. We talked about that. I retweeted a link, you know, that we were talking about in the morning when they were trading, uh, chasing Kathy Wood moves, you know. 4 a.m. trading, if you're going in there and you're buying stocks up 20%, you're usually doing it backwards because, um, you know, you get all excited. There's no liquidity. You got to buy it. There's nothing there. And then real liquidity starts coming and say, this price is stupid. And they start to knock it back down. So this stock had, had traded almost $60 at 4 a.m. is now trading 50. It looks to me like it wants to go red. I'm not going to argue with it. I think this is as good as it gets. You know, we often talk about, is this trade now as good as it gets? I think it is. I think, what do we have to look forward to? I mean, everybody's been looking forward to this event. Stocks always want something to look forward to. So you look, it's like, okay, well, now we look forward to, I guess, people actually doing this experiment, you know, or, 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 and going into space and maybe they get some revenue. That's cool and everything. But the hype of, the, you know, that first blast, it's all kind of gone. So it's kind of like the hangover after the party now. And I think you're going to see the stock go red here today. It just feels like it now. It's been leaking for the entire pre-market. When I came in around 6.30, it was 53. Now it's 50. We know at 4 a.m. it was six, almost 60. I think it's going red. Uh, what about Goy Toy? Isn't 4 a.m. just botched, though? 
Oh no! It it there's not a lot of bots at 4 a.m. It's 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 hyped up. It's hyped up traders like excited traders. There'd be some bots, but there's less bots in the pre-market than there is in the regular session because there's so much more risk. So there's a there's a lot of machines that aren't even online. And and don't forget when you're a high frequency trader, there's usually a if you're running a a pretty big operation, you've got traders monitoring those systems. And you know and and even if you're a mid operator, you've, you've still got to have somebody managing and monitoring those systems for the most part. A lot I think I would think so. Anyways, maybe there's some that just run them with nobody watching, but that's a dangerous game. So usually you have somebody just in case something's not going right or something, you know, bad data or anything like that happens, somebody monitoring the system. You don't see a lot. There is algorithmic action everywhere, but you have less algorithmic action in the morning than you do at like 12 noon, for sure. And there's less arbitrage going on. So I think you just get very excited traders. Everybody's getting their order out there. Everybody can trade pre-market now. I know certain systems don't offer before 7 a.m., but if you go around, there's lots of retail brokers, interactive brokers, lots of retail brokers lot offer 4 a.m. trading. Yeah, there's just people that are excited. There's no market for you. It just opens. So what I mean by no market is sometimes stocks. There can be some smaller stocks and no bids and no offers. They didn't pay anything for the stock. So I, it's it's usually uninformed money a lot of times. And then the professionals that are up at that time are saying, okay, well that doesn't make sense. I'll sell it. So you see this blast off, and then you get the professionals all saying, you know, maybe stuff, you know, like what I was saying. Okay, well, you know, what's it have to look forward to here? Looking at it, it takes, takes a lot of guests to come in and short this thing at 58 or 59 when it's going straight up in the first minute. But as soon as it starts to like, like you get the blast off and then it starts to leak a little bit, that's probably when they strike. And that's why you see it come down fairly quickly after that. So um, I think you have a lot of people who just don't know what they're doing at that time. And I, like I said, I traded 4 a.m. for years. Lots of, you know, uninformed order flow out there, meaning there's people who are putting orders out there that literally don't even know how to price stocks. And that's where you have an advantage. If you've got some quantitative approach to it, you probably got you know some mispriced securities at 4 a.m. And when this was trading up to 59, it was clearly mispriced because here we are four hours later and it's 50. I do want to mention if you are up at 4 a.m. Eastern time, Benzinga has a show at that time. Wow. I know we're everywhere, Dennis. The early everywhere. The early bird uh, morning show. Apparently and, good storm. Uh, it's 4 a.m. Uh, Eastern Time right here on this channel on YouTube. Uh, okay. Cool. Uh, so uh, we saw that happen in space. That's obviously the main one here this morning. But if I go to my movers tool in Benzinga Pro, which I will do, and I go to my what's up movers, and I look at it, I see, oh, I see a bunch of space stocks. I see like ASTS up there, right? I see, uh, where else was I looking? If Maxar you- was up. Yeah, Maxar. It looks like it's come down a little bit since then. Uh, um, where is Maxar? I think it's come down. It's up three percent. It, it was off the top of there. There's Max. They're coming down with space. Yeah, they're coming down now, right? <laughs> but they this were, is it. They blasted yeah. all these stocks, these space stocks off in their rocket ships at four AM and now they've been leaking. They're coming back down to Earth. So that's the landing here. And they're gonna stick the landing. But it's uh I, I think I think the better times and you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe they're gonna come in and say, Oh, it's gonna make profits now, and maybe a lot of people thought it was cool. But I had two issues, like I said, with space, just bring it back to it. One uh, the flight was the, the time and space was too short. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to turn some people off. I, I didn't realize it was going to be that short. You said you didn't realize it either. And then two is, um, well, the feed wasn't great. But two is just the hype. It's been hyped, hyped, hyped. And this is going to be yeah. the peak hype today where everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking about it over the weekend. 
Yeah. Then it got another that, blast off early here, thing. and it's starting to leak. That's a good thing. I thought hype was good. No. Yeah, but this is the peak hype. You want to sell, you know, think about, you know, what Chris Camilo says you know, about information parity. Yeah, okay. You know, like you get, you know, you get ahead of the trade where everybody's going to be talking about, and all of a sudden everybody's talking about it. That's usually a sign where you're getting close to a top. I I don't know if it's peak hype, though, because we got eight days before Bezos is going to space, right? But that's not their company. No, I, I think don't. it is peak hype. It's maybe not peak hype for the space talk, but it's peak hype for Virgin Galactic top. They, they were on CBS. They were on... NBC. I mean, they're on mainstream media over here over the weekend. Yeah. So, I, I I honestly think it's peak hype. So that's why I would not buy it here. And if I owned it, I would sell it. Just my opinion. I, I don't know if you call it this on Friday. You, you probably didn't because uh, the tweets were deleted. But uh, blue the Blue Origin Twitter account on Friday tweeted about you know how oh we're going to the to the Carmen line and Virgin Galactic's not and then so, like an engineer from Virgin Galactic responded like you guys are being petty. This is ridiculous. But, like it was just a, a Twitter back and forth between Blue Origin and, and Virgin Galactic. But but then the guy deleted his tweets, so you can't see it now. Um, but I, <laughs> I, I I thought that was funny. It was just like. They're just arguing on Twitter about who, who, who's more, who's more legit because one, Blue Origin's going further into space, but um, how far are they going? Are they gonna? Um, is any of these? Uh, are any of them gonna orbit? No, no, no one's or no, no one's. We're not there. Hard yet. to orbit. Eh? You um, gotta go too high. Is that what it is? Blue too or- high, too fast. Blue Origin's going a hundred uh, kilometers into space. Okay, same thing. I like blast them off, just drop them back down. It'd be cool if they could ship you up there and like orbit you. Like I don't know who's coming out with that. That would be cool. Yeah, but that takes a long time, doesn't well, it? Well, it, it doesn't have to go as it has to go pretty far, but you probably have to go really fast to get into orbit. I would think. I don't know. Like it's like twenty thousand miles an hour, isn't it? Like the stuff, the satellites that are orbiting. Like they launch the satellites, they orbit, yeah. but those are way the hell up there. That's true. I don't know. We don't know enough about this, so we're getting yeah. definitely past our expertise level here. But okay, so the takeaway from you seems to be you are interested in selling any rips on space. It already had the rip. I no, think well, we had one rip. Who's to say at the opening it couldn't go higher? Yeah, I'd be a seller of rips on it. I think the better days are. Are I think we just. I think we just saw a peak. That information parity that Chris talks about. I just think we saw peak hype. And I like to sell stocks in the peak hype. So 59 this morning was yeah. a gift. I don't think you're going to see that again. I don't think you're going to see 55. You might see 53. Um, but, you know, anything can happen. You know, maybe it just blasts off and keeps going. But I don't think so. I think that it feels heavy. It doesn't feel like it wants to rally in the pre-market either. It doesn't feel like, okay, well, you know, we had a big rally and we, we kind of just pulled back a bit. Now we're going to rip up again. Yeah. This thing's been leaking the entire four hours of pre-market since the blast off at 4 a.m. So I I I'm I'd be scared buying this thing here. Yeah. Um. So we we looked at Maxar. You can look at ASTR, which is Astro. All these satellites. Those are all going to follow this. Yeah, they're all going to follow space today, and yeah. you can see it. You can see yeah. that. Right. You can see that. So it's... yeah, space goes red. Look out for these things too. I'd be careful on all these things. They're already leaking because space has leaked so much. I mean, you come in, you're like, oh yeah, space having a great day. It's up a buck. Well, I was up ten at four a.m. So it's not a great morning for space. No, sorry. Uh, all right, do you want to talk about uh, China? Because there's more stuff at, at oh, There's oh always my goodness. Stuff what now? Uh, what now? <laughs> I don't even know where to begin. Honestly, <laughs> uh, we could talk uh, DD, which got removed. First of all, DD formally warned uh, now about uh, you know the the risks to to the business. Um, uh, the Chinese antitrust 
body has blocked a merger between Douyu and Huya, H-U-Y-A, D-O-Y-U. That's off the table. They're asking Tencent Music to like give up their exclusive licenses or something, and they're asking all companies uh, to that are interested in listing on foreign exchanges to now abide by new regulations. It's holding up the TikTok IPO. Uh, not TikTok, the, 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 the yeah, the TikTok IPO, um, and it's just—it's it, a mess. the whole, The whole thing is is just there's like there's like a half dozen headlines this morning all about China. This is just uh, seems to be the theme here, and it's—I yeah. mean that TME chart, holy mackerel, that's an ugly chart. Pull, pull that that thing hit thirty bucks back in March. It's twelve bucks now. Yeah. Um, if you look at the charts, it's been leaking, 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 leaking. And I mean, we keep coming to, at a certain point. You think, oh, is it cheap enough? But then you think. Well, I don't know. China's going to continue to regulate everything over there. Maybe no, nothing is cheap. So it makes it difficult to invest in China. It's turning off international investors when you're seeing you know them come in and and obviously excessive regulation or whatever you want to call it. Um, but when they're trying to control certain companies, it, it's scary to be an investor. I own Alibaba, just the, the, the one little piece that I've had for years. I sold all my extra stuff. I've lightened up all my China holdings because I'm just scared right now. And it was a nice rip on Friday. So if you've been overexposed to China, you got a nice rip to sell into. There's a nice snapback rally in BABA. People are all claiming, yeah, the bottom is in. Is it really in, though? Let's talk about really that price action. It's a nice candle. Yeah. Do you have a level to lean on at 198? Sure, if you want to try and you think that's going to be the low. But nothing keeps going straight down. You know, Here I am talking as my book because I do own a little bit of BABA. But I mean, this thing lost 35 points in five trading sessions. It's not out of the realm of possibility that it could bounce six or seven and then, you know, consolidate and then resume the previous trend, which would be clearly down. Stock is dirt cheap, but when you have all the unknowns of China right now, um, nothing is, you know, necessarily cheap over there. So I'm still hands off on China stocks here. Although if you got them on, if you're looking for trades, I would try to lean on those Thursday lows. Take those out, then I'd be spooked. For uh, across the board, not just Bob, all of them, right? All I put them. grouping them all together, right? JD, uh, well, yeah, JD's been best to breed. Like, if I was going to buy one, JD would be one that I would look at. Um, I would lean on Thursday's low, though, 69.83. So, if you're pulling it's pulling back a little bit, you think I'm gonna get 72, I'd stop myself out under 69.83. Again, we're broken record here to a certain extent, but you can see what I do control the risk you're coming in. Where's my out? First question is, nah, nah, this is everybody starts. How much am I gonna make? Now, don't start with that question. How much money am I willing to lose? That's your first question when entering a trade. What am I willing to lose? So if I'm going to buy this at 72 today, I'm saying I'm going to stop myself out at 6983. I'm willing to lose about two and a half bucks. I like to at least make two to one. So do I have a shot that this thing, you know, I can make five bucks on this? So from if I got a 72, could I go to 77? Yeah, maybe. If it got down to 71, fills that little gap that I had on Friday, maybe it's a little bit better. But again, you're fighting the trend here. These aren't easy trades. The overall trend in JD has been down here for the better part of four months. It's broken its overall uptrend from 2020. Baidu probably looks similar. Yeah, Baidu is completely broken. I mean, these are broken charts. So it's not like Apple where you're making new all-time highs and Amazon where you're making new all-time highs. It's easy sale and stocks go up easily because there's no pain. Everybody's in pain in these stocks. So that's how, how why they're hard to come right back. Because if Baidu gets back to 200, everybody who bought it at 200 in the last two months, like, thank you for giving my money back. There's willing sellers all the way up there, overhead supply. So it's always tricky to try to call a bottom on a stock that's going straight down. Somebody asked about uh, what ARK is doing. ARK has not been buying 
these these stocks. Arc has been selling Huya pretty consistently. Um, Spook too. Yeah, she was. There was another one that she was selling. Uh, oh, Teo's Tencent. She's been selling some Tencent. Um, yeah, I'm just looking at the last week, um, and she has not been. She sold some JD last week. Uh, yeah, that's right. Lightening it up too. There's right. too many unknowns over there right now. Yeah, and stocks aren't. You can say, oh yeah, relatively speaking, some of these Chinese stocks are cheap when you look at valuations over here. But you know, we don't have the China risk to it either. Right. So it's nothing is really cheap anywhere. Like uh, people, you know, that have a lot of cash are like oh yeah what can i invest in what you know where can i put money i'm like i've been in my investing dollars my trading dollars are always going in and out but my investing dollars have been sitting with quite a bit of cash here because there's nothing is cheap there's nothing cheap right now it's not like reopening trade is starting to oh, get cheap though let's talk about that because it, it it's some it's some getting point. better the reopening trade is actually starting to get cheap we can look so. at we can look at anything in the reopening sector, but yeah, some of it's not looking that terrible. I know Mitch is trying to nibble a little bit, but like here's Carnival, for example, right? It doesn't look that bad. I Getting, mean, yeah, I mean, it looks horrible on the chart. It looks broken. Uh, it looks, but but it's not like we're chasing here. We're not right. chasing anymore. Right. Yeah. So from an, my investment dollars, I'm a contrarian investor. I do buy pullbacks, significant pullbacks when stocks I feel like get too cheap. The unknown with the cruise lines, the unknown with the airlines is. How is this going to go? You know, is everybody going to be excited? You know, we really were pumped. Everybody's going to go on their cruises again. But then when you're hearing the first cruise launch, and you're getting some of the staff that got sick and then COVID, and they were vaccinated, but they still got COVID. I mean, this is something that's just not going to be easy sailing, pun fully intended. So I don't know. You got the airlines. You got Disney. You can group into that to a certain extent, too, although Disney has the Disney Plus, which helps them um, to kind of be the best of both worlds, if you want to look at it that way. Um, I've owned a little bit of Las Vegas Sands. Mitch was talking. Maybe we could bring Mitch on here too. He's got a couple of reopening plays that he's been eyeing. They've been beat up. He thinks there may be a shot here too. Mitch, are you kicking around in the background? What's going on, guys? How are we doing? Mitch, how are you? How's your weekend? Hey, another good weekend. Enjoyed it. I don't know if you saw it, but smoked a nice pork shoulder. Gotta have Ooh. some pulled pork. You know, Ooh, I gotta hours. get out there. Oh, oh once I open these borders, I'm coming here. You're, you're going to do some barbecuing for Wait me. Wait a minute. Because you, you do a great you job. You said you were smoking. I didn't mean that when you were smoking barbecue. Yeah. <laughs> Mitch always smoking. He's a, guy. He's a smoker. Barbecue smoker. I'm from, from Colorado, smoking, man. Like. We're doing all types of smoking out here in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> Multiple kinds of smoking. Fair enough. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and let's take a look at some reopening plays. I'm looking yeah. at hotels right now. A Marriott chart looking good. Nice downtrend. Good good support right there. Uh, that's why I like that. Huge. Yeah. Yeah. Huge. Huge on that one. Um, and then you could also look at Hyatt H. H not looking too bad also. Uh, Hilton doesn't look that bad, but just doesn't move that much. It's too slow. It's not sexy for me. Um but then, yeah, those two I'm looking good. And then a vacation rental play that's an interesting one. It's a resort play. It falls under resorts and casinos, which is VAC, which Victor is Marriott's vacation oh, holdings. Yeah. So that you're talking, you know, like, uh, let's say these are those long-term holdings, timeshares, those kinds of things. I think those are going to come back into play, you know. People are going to be wanting to go on long-term vacations. Right. Maybe VAC comes back into play here. What I, mean, I like is that big volume. You see that that big spike of volume? I think if yeah. you can get back above that day. I don't know what that's about. What is that about? You, I always look for that oh, sneaky man, volume. Is that the 25th? Washout day? 
Well, that actually was before the washout day, though. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's I why I was interested. I don't know if it's a buyer that got stuck there and it's going to come back towards him, but we'll see. I like some of these charts, and these kind of, you know, are obviously not easy breakout charts, but breakouts haven't been working well in 2021 anyways. The one reason that I do like some of these um, is that, you know, the, the reopening trade one I don't think is dead, and the market is starting to price it like. Uh, we're in trouble. As Delta variants coming, we're seeing cases go up in certain parts of the country, you know, around the world. Japan's got problems because they're not even going to have fans and for the Olympics. And everybody's like, kind of like, I'm done with the opening trade. I'm piling back into tech where I know I'm safe. So tech becoming crowded again. Reopening trade not crowded anymore, which I like as well. And I do like that candle from Friday where we had a nice snapback rally in all of these stocks. Now, the one thing I would not do is chase. So we had VAC, which was trading at 148 on Thursday. And again, I was saying even on some of these other stocks, I would lean on the Thursday lows. So if you get a pullback here where, okay, well, VAC maybe got overdone, um, rallying 10 bucks in the day, but maybe you get back down to the mid-range, like 155, and like, okay, then I'm going to lean on Thursday's low as my out. Um, so on a little pullback here, this is, you know, what I would eye up. So... I think VAC maybe ran a little bit too far because it's up 11 bucks. I'm definitely not chasing it. I think you need a pullback in a lot of these names to really get me, like a pullback to near the Thursday lows. But at least now I have a bogey. Now I have a point. Now I have a spot where I can, okay, this is where I can control my risk from. Um, and I know you're going to go into one more, Mitch, and I'm going to let you do that as well. All right. So the only thing I'd bring up from here is don't 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 lose your eyes on, on – uh, media i think media is going to start coming back um i know it's kind of a, a weird reopening trade but you can take a look at that uh take a look at media's let's look at uh right now i'm i'm, I'm really looking at discovery uh but viacom starting to bounce back a little bit i know a lot of talk is starting to yeah. watch these again and one <laughs> of the things is i mean we we know why these got hit down right and so my question is where does the the kind of valuation kind of meet here i think in and at least in discovery, I think it's definitely getting towards that point. I like that one more than Viacom, but it's up to you what you really it, prefer there. It is in discovery. I actually had this long for about a month, and it just wasn't. I had it on for a swing trade. I thought, you know, I was going to lean on the lows in mid-June. Um, no, maybe it was even before that. Um, it was somewhere in there. I never really got down with it much. I was up in it. I was up as much as 5% discovery, so I can't remember where I bought it. But the but last week it started to break down again. I was like, I don't like it making new lows. So I actually cut out and took a two percent loss, I think, on it. So you take your losers. So stock making new low, I always say you gotta go. And Discovery actually took out its June low, I believe. If you look in there's two stocks you can look at DISCA or DISCK. But if we look at DISCA, they're both fairly widely traded. Yeah. Um you had all those lows like twenty nine, twenty eight eighty nine. And then just two days ago, we took it out down to 2828. Did snap back. So this could be the undercut and rally, which could be, you know, uh, which could be something too. But if you take out the Thursday low, again, Thursday low is the bogey for everything. So 2828 would be my bogey on discovery. If you're taking a flyer here around 29, you're only risking 70 cents. It's not too bad, maybe 3%. Um, if you think the low is in. Again, you're fighting the tape here, though. And these stocks just seem to keep finding sellers. I kept thinking, you're going to get a bounce. You're going to get a bounce. Eventually, you're going to get a bounce. And we just haven't seen it. So I don't know what's the catalyst. Maybe it's going to take some news in the sector. Maybe it's going to take an earnings. Maybe it's going to take some you know, rumors or something. But I'm not sure the catalyst to really kickstart this from getting out of favor because the stock's been massively out of favor. I, I'm wonder, I've been seeing a lot of people talk about Viacom. And I don't really yeah. understand. I don't really 
get it. Like, I, I understand there's the inclination to say, oh, well, okay, it's given back uh, pretty much all, all of its games that weren't really justified in the first place, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the monthly chart shows okay, that. Okay, so, so it's given back all that nonsense, right? Uh, and people are saying, oh, they've got the streaming thing, they've got, you know, I, I just, you know, reasonable valuation. I, I don't see it, right? I'm with you. Whoever was in the chat I just said old media. Uh, yeah, Donkey Limit. Old media, reality pulp shows. Yeah, short. I, I, I totally agree. I, I don't see it. I don't see it. I really is don't. It, is it the sporting stuff that comes up with a lot of Viacom? I think there was talks that they could potentially team up with, uh, I think, Fox or, or something like that. And and there was uh, I mean, what's Fubo do to this, though? What is, like, there is competition yeah. coming there, too. Mm-hmm. It's, There's so it's much competition. Local, the local you know, sports. Yeah, there's so much competition all over the place here. I mean, Viacom CBS has been a company that let's give let's forget about this 2021 move. This company has been out of favor for forever. I mean, this has been a stock that has been a perennial underperformer. It was $67 back in 2014, you know, at the at the crunch when we had COVID, which is you probably should eliminate that because you know everything got stupid and COVID got down to 10 bucks. So, but let's say, you know, 20 to 30. I mean, we're really back to where we were when we hated the stock back in 2019 at 42. So if you ignore that whole, um, you know, that whole, who is, what's the guy's name? I forget. Arcagus. The guy's name. It was Arcagus. Bill Ar- Wang. Bill Wang. Bill, Bill Wang. If you, all, if you ignore the whole Bill Wang BS rally and take that off the charts, the stock is still in a clear downtrend. And, you know, it's a snapback 2020 when everything bounced back, but the stock was hated. Um, the content is there. I Like I said, I, I I want to like these stocks. I want to get on board with you, Mitch, here. It just, mm-hmm. It's been like three months, and it just can't rally. And when something hangs at the lows for this long, I'm just saying, you know, it got down. It went from 100 to 40, and it's been basically Viacom hanging around 40 VIAC for the better part of three months. When something hangs around this long, eventually it just feel like it's going to sh- – it's got to shake everyone out and undercut or do something to get everybody out of there. Maybe Discovery just did that, but I don't know. I have a trouble because it just it didn't snap back. And if three months it can't snap back, what's the catalyst to make it snap? Like, what's the catalyst to get this going? I can't see it. I, I'll tell you, I have a good segue here going into Disney talk and a little AMC. I think it's an interesting, definitely, conversation to bring up. What's so the Disney rec- talk, AMC? Let's go. So recently, just released this weekend, you know, you had Black Widow, right? Black Widow made $80 yeah. million dollars throughout the weekend. Yeah. But where did the money come from? And I think this is really the interesting thing, right? So Disney, if you look at the bottom, they generated more than $60 million from Disney+. Plus. So 60 million of that 80 million gross came from their platform, their streaming platform. I don't know what this is, but I thought that was an addition. I didn't, I thought that was not the 80. I thought the 80 number was, was from the box office. I mean, it was 80 million from the box, but 80 million isn't that. Remember the box office used to get 200 million. Remember the big numbers we did on the weekends and stuff? Okay. So even if it's, let's say, let's say it's half. Half the half the gross, almost half the gross is being made off yeah. the platform versus the actual box office. Like, you know, so what's going to yeah. go on with AMC? I, 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 is this I the end? I think the sixty was in addition to the eighty. But but the, the other point uh, to Mitch's point is that um, the 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 studios like Disney, et cetera, et cetera, they're in they're in a position now to basically renegotiate with with the theaters, right? And every time there's a big release, or like Disney gets a bigger cut. Of the big movies, uh, whenever like like the Avengers, for example, when that came yeah. out, 
Disney got more than their usual cut, right? And they're in a position now that they can renegotiate basically a la carte every single time there's a big release that comes out. They can just say to the theaters, we want more, we want more, we want more, because they have their own platform now. They don't really need the theater per se yeah. as much as they used to and need them at least. So they're in a position now to get more. The, a, there, there are fewer you know, big draws than ever, but when the big draws come, the, the studios are in a position to sit, go to AMC and say, hey, AMC, you know, uh, we A, we want, you know, whatever. We want 30%, we want 40%, and we're going to demand, you know, your top three screens for a month or whatever it is, right? Uh, the, the, the theaters have basically no leverage in this situation. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, so, even worse, coming up this weekend, one of the biggest movie releases of the year, Space Jam coming out. Get again? ready. Guess, Why did guess he call the same movies? Is Michael Jordan in this one too? No, they they did smart. They went for LeBron James. Man. They got LeBron. LeBron James. LeBron. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, but it, really, the the key thing is this is going to be on HBO, HBO Max, and you only have to have that fifteen dollars service to go ahead and get access to this movie. You, you, you've got an issue here, and I don't know what none of the AMC people want it. And maybe it doesn't matter because AMC is disconnected from fundamentals anyway. So the AMC's you know, fundamental talk doesn't seem to affect the stock anyways. But you're making a great point. I mean, Disney um, and the content providers have a lot of leverage here. Spencer making that point. And you know what? I look at this and I think, why not own Disney? I mean, if I wanted to get a play on this and they've got the leverage, why not own the person, the company that has the leverage? And, you know, Disney had a nice snapback rally, too. So this whole strategy of leaning on Thursday's lows applies to the stock as well. If we get a pullback here today, maybe we do, you know, 170, maybe get a shot at Friday's low, 174. Maybe you take a shot on Disney because this is, your, you know, obviously it's the parks they're worrying about here now more than anything. We know Disney Plus is firing on all cylinders, um, but. You know, if the reopening trade does turn around, Disney's going to be the best play maybe for the reopening trade. Like that part of it. I mean, where are people going to take their kids when we actually can go, you know, get back to normal? Disney World. You know, so I think if you really are a believer, I'm not saying necessarily I'm doing this, but I'm saying if I was a believer and I wanted the best reopening trade out there, it's probably Disney. And then if if we actually do go and, you know, and and it, it doesn't go that way and the reopening doesn't go well, you got Disney Plus to fall back on. So I like Disney in the low 170s. I don't own any of the stock right now. I want to own it. I've wanted to own it for a while. I think uh, I think this is the one you buy. But low 170s, and I'm not chasing. Don't chase anything in here. No reason to chase. Um, the last thing I'll add on the the whole like cable thing is that the this the current uh, rights deal with the NFL expires next year. So God forbid, you know, CBS loses that. Now. There's a catalyst to the downside. That's that, that's kind of the money maker right there. Is the, is the NFL on Sundays? So that's up for grabs next year. They're gonna they're gonna have to you know compete with Amazon and all those companies again. So uh, just to have that on your radar. Um, okay, it is eight. What? Looks like I'm getting a little hate in the chat. They don't want the money, Mitch picks. Gonna have to <laughs> they keep don't want, the money. They're kicking you out. It's hey, okay. guess what? It's okay. I'll keep it's the okay. money to the myself. The money ideas are right here in this brain. I can keep it myself. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, they, they don't want the money, Mitch. Picks. If you don't want good picks, if you don't want good ideas, good research, good stories, then don't come to Money Mitch. I'll be making other people ideas is, and okay, getting them the industries. Oh, All right. They hate, they, they hate everybody. It's always, you know what? It's 90% love in the chat, it's 10% hate. There's always hate. So yeah. I'm trying to just ignore the hate. 
I get hate. I say something controversial, and I always have some pretty significant hate. Well, sometimes, sometimes when I see you on Twitter, I don't. I can't even tell if it's you or if it's a fake you. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, the fake Triple D traders. Yeah. Um, yeah. There was another one over the weekend, and they went as uh, at Triple D trade. Um, but then it's like smooth. Like they actually. Um, so we were reported. They changed the whole profile because they knew they were under investigation from Twitter. And then they and then they survived. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they survived. Actually, I usually when you report these, they take them down. But they did not take these down. I got the rejection notices. Notice that the, this actual account survived because they changed the entire profile, including the name at Triple D Trade. They changed that name. You could click that Triple D Trade, and it would bring you to another person's profile. I was like, wow, that's smooth. So they knew they were under investigation. They changed it all. So they're staying ahead of Twitter. So again, so just to say, I'm not asking anybody for Bitcoin. If somebody posing as Dennis Dick has come to you on Twitter and asked you to invest for them, I don't even trade Bitcoin. I own a little bit of long-term portfolio. Don't give them money. It's a scam. You yeah. keep trying to, you know, I can't stop people from creating a fake profile of me and pretending to be me. Um, you know, all I can do is report it to Twitter. I reported this one. Twitter actually rejected it. They actually rejected and said that this account didn't do anything wrong, although they're trying to ask my followers because they disguise themselves in the investigation. So Twitter, not very good at this. But anyways, it is what it is. I've tried to. I've applied for verification. Um, it's it's a tough process. I they haven't they haven't told me yet or not, but it's tough to get verified on Twitter. Yeah. All right. It is eight thirty seven. Actually, it's time for market structure Mondays. It's been a couple of weeks because we had a uh, we had the holiday. So let, let's get Tim Quest on here. Talk some market structure. Tim Quast, good morning, sir. Good to see you guys. Well, that was an interesting discussion. Uh, and yes, I've missed you, Spencer. <laughs> you know, we haven't talked since June. I, I know, it's been a couple of weeks. I know, Tim, we've missed you like crazy. I grew a beard just to, you know, just to, it, <laughs> well, it's what you do in the, so there are two times a year in Colorado where, where you want to be bearded. Uh, <laughs> And uh, one of them's summer and one of them's winter. Of course. Why do you want to be bearded in the summer in Colorado? Well, because you're, you're out hiking, kayaking, rafting, uh, road biking, mountain biking, all of that stuff. You don't have time to shave. So <laughs> uh, you've, you, you, that's, that's why we do it. Of course, the, the bad news for me is I'm, uh, while Dennis, I'm clearly, I'm not, uh, I'm not well enough known to have other Dennis Dicks or, you know, other Tim Ploss running. Oh, yeah, like don't you be do. surprised. Oh, They'll get you, Tim. They're going to get you. But the, 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 uh, but it keeps getting grayer. That's, you know, that's what's dispiriting <laughs> to me. So it, but the good news, it'll be hard for somebody to fake, you know, the aged uh, visage that I've got. You're, you're timelessly, uh, you're, you're timeless there, Dennis. You don't age. <laughs> I don't, I, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm aging. So I'm aging inside. <laughs> I'm outside a little bit too. My hair is crazy. <laughs> but I thought I was losing my hair 20 years ago, and it's still the same. Still so the I'm getting lucky, I guess. So. Well, let me know your secret. I don't think a, I have any. Trying to hang on to hair, all right. His secret is no. His secret is no natural sunlight. That's that. That's, yeah, I just stay in like the little dungeon cave. I'm not released from this like trade trade cave ever. So. Avoid the sun at all costs. All right, yeah. Tim, we got some earnings uh, yes. cuts this week finally. Uh, and uh, right. what's on your radar for the week? Well, and, and I'll preface it with, the, with, the, with uh, something that Blaise Pascal, the French mathematician, made famous back in the 17th century when he said, uh, I'd have written a shorter letter, but I didn't have time. Meaning, you know, <laughs> you, you'd like to be brief, 
about things, but it's hard on the spot to do that. Uh, but you're right. So earnings typically kick off with the banks, you know, so uh, JP Morgan, uh, Goldman Sachs are on the docket and probably other banks later. I just looked ahead to, to tomorrow yep. and uh, Pepsi report. So you, you tend to get blue chips. And, and I think it's always informative to uh, look at market structure for those big companies. Certainly, yep. they're not the kind that are going to give you, you know, extraordinary returns like like the meme stocks. But those, of course, come with risk. Uh, so uh, I'll tell you what those indicate. Uh, and and for those of you who don't know what market structure is, you know there there to me uh, two two essential ways to look at stocks technically and fundamentally. But then what brings those two ways to think about stocks together, you know how they trade and how they perform as businesses, is the rules that govern how they trade. That is the universal. It's the great equalizer. And market structure is the behavior of money behind price and volume in context of rules. Uh, price and volume are not metrics, they're consequences of what's occurring. So if you're measuring consequences to try to understand what's occurring, there's a, there's a risk. There's a risk in technicals. There's a risk in a market where uh, if you look at financial returns to tell you how a stock is going to behave, I give you the fangs. So the, the, the fangs have crushed it and we're down. Then the fangs, all of a sudden, the fangs are great. And we're talking again about the great rotation from value back to growth. Well, what if it's none of that? And I can tell you why the the fang, right? What if it's none of that? So let me show you what, what, what these things look like through the lens of market structure. Because again, it's the great equalizer. So if you want to follow along, you can go to marketstructureedge.com and you can put, put your name and email in and uh, you can see this. That's all you have to do. And you can see what I see. This is what I do uh, every day. And it's to I go look at what the data indicates. So here's, you know, it's July 12th already. It's hard to believe to me. Uh, another sign of advancing. I, I, I know. Age, the years just right? fly by here, Tim. Just, just incredible, isn't it? Yeah. We're, uh, we're, we're, it's a problem. Already, it's it a problem because problem. the years keep going right. faster and faster. It's like I realize, I'm starting to realize that I'm like really 90% through my life because when you're like five years old, the time 90%. goes so slowly. And, you know, like you technically like you're only, I guess, 40, 80 or halfway there. But really, when I look at it, I'm probably 90% because those years when you were sitting in school when you were six years old, that clock right. went backwards and never moved. And now the days and the years are just flying by so fast. It's like you flush the toilet and, you know, the top of the water is going slow, but the bottom of the water is going really, really, really fast. So anyways, then, I feel like whoosh. I'm in the bottom of the water and it's almost I'm almost flushed. <laughs> <laughs> it's terrible analogy. It's a terrible analogy, and yet, and yet, there's a, as as, a, as a, uh, there's an element of verisimilitude, which means there's <laughs> truth in it, right? So, uh, yeah, I I follow you. You know, that's the 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 old adage that you get three score and ten, and everybody I know who's seventy has really slowed down, and it you know I'm I'm not that far from it. it uh, it's just frightening how fast. They still young buck, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Eh. Well, I'm trying, right? That's that's why I'm in Colorado. But uh, so let's look at these things. Here's the first thing I would do. I like to put whoever's going to report results into a portfolio, and I want to see these things. Uh, what is market structure sentiment? What's the balance of supply demand relative to the axis of five, uh, and which direction is it going? So if we just take Pepsi here, it's five and bo- it's bottomed at five. It's bottomed at the nexus of supply and demand. Uh, the market will tend to do that. It's about 39% short. That means 39% of trading volume comes from borrowed stock. 
in the S&P 500, it's about 45%, pretty close to that, 44 to 45. Trades about $11,000 at a time. Passive investment behavior is the leader. So that's going to be indexes and exchange-traded funds and quants. There's the price. It's in the consumer staples group. So then I want to go look at these data and see, well, what's it been doing? Nothing. Look at this line. It's right at five. This is very much what core stocks like Pepsi will do. They will be at five. They're difficult to trade profitably because of that. But if you're a hedge fund, you can trade it profitably by being long and short. So notice what happens here. Sentiment stays at five. Uh, if you're going to get gains in price like we did here in early June, it will correspond with lower short volume, short volume below the trend. So the hedge funds shift from, you know, 47% uh, uh, 53% short, 47% long to the reverse of that. And then as soon as the price goes down, then they shift short and short volume moves above the trend. And that will repeat itself over and over. Very difficult unless you're now if you're a long short trader, this is the way to do it. You don't ever have to take any risk. Like uh, you just have to you just have to follow that trend. If the short volume is below the trend, you should be too. If it moves above, you should be too. And you too can be a quantitative hedge fund. Now, if we step back a little further, uh, I like to do this. Let's go back three months. That's about a quarter. Behaviors change every quarter. You don't want 20 years of data. I'm sorry, that doesn't work in today's market because the rules all changed. You go back 20 years ago, we were just implementing decimalization. Uh, we want to look at the market under the current uh, regimen. But once again, the only you'd have to go back up more than a quarter to find a good time to trade Pepsi other than long short. So what's it going to do here? Uh, not much. There's my prediction. It's not going to move much. And look, notice the price has really stayed between 145 and 150. Why? Because market structure has never given us a balance since back in April that, it, that indicates more demand than supply. That's what it requires. So traders, that's how to think about it. You want to trade Pepsi? Trade it long and short and, and use the trend line and short volume to know where you should be. Uh, but you can't expect a big move. So let's go to Goldman Sachs. Yeah, uh, the, earnings on <laughs> Tuesday, Tuesday, tomorrow. Tuesday, right, tomorrow. tomorrow. <clears throat> exactly. Maybe I should go back here and say, let's look at the same things again. So it's seven and down. So it's gone. The sentiment is a bit above five, but it's migrating back toward five. It's not very short, 36%. Uh, clearly, nobody's betting against it. Trades about $18,000 at a time. Active stock pickers, fundamental money, is in Goldman Sachs, as you would expect. Why would we expect that? Because people expect that Goldman Sachs will do better than the, uh, the consensus from Wall Street, the street. So uh, now will it? Well, let's go look at the data. And I, I, don't, I doubt I'm going to disagree with that. So go over, I click the, the icon over here to look at the, uh, the, the data. I like to back up two quarters because why? Because two quarters ago, financials were all the rage. And look at how much time Goldman Sachs was spending above five. So you'd buy it when it ticks above five. And look, it spent all this time above five. Here's sentiment begins to drop. I probably, you know, leave about the time short volume popped above uh, the trend there. As long as it's above five, it tends to rise. But right there where short volume pops above trend, I'm out. Could you come back here? You could. As soon as it returns to five, better is the uptick because there are the returns. And then you stay until you have a downtick or the rise above, if a short volume above trend, and you leave again. You could do that, and you could make some 
reasonable returns. So where is it now? Well, sentiment is above five, but it never got back to 10. It doesn't have that momentum that it had before. Right. And it's begun to decline. Short volume is below trend. That tells me it will get some gains, but we're not going to see what we saw two quarters ago. And I'm not sure that people are expecting that. I think that they think the banks are going to do great again. And I look at the data from the banks and they look like this. So would I trade those? Prob I'm not good enough to, like you, Dennis, to trade those. Huh. Uh, you, you would have the acumen to do it and the speed to do it. If, but for me, this is a risky trade. You might get a couple of three days of gains because short volume is below trend. But this tells me that the market's verve is diminishing. I've used this analogy. It's like the velocity of money. It's something the, 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 you know, the monetary policy thinkers and the eco economists like to talk about. Uh, the velocity of money is how often it moves around. The more people are spending their money, the more velocity there is in money and the more opportunity there is for commerce, commerce to occur and things to grow. When that slows down, economies tend to slow down. And if you look at the stock market, it reflects declining velocity. And I realize there are a lot of people who are saying, well, we've had a great first half. Uh, there tends to be a great second half when there's a great first half for stocks. There are plenty of reasons for stocks to grind higher. I get all of that. Uh, though, but those are all things that don't have, they're all ideas that don't necessarily reflect supply and demand. Here's the broad market. If we take the S&P 500 composite stocks and compare it over the last six months to SPY, the, the ETF proxy for the S&P 500, yeah. look at the amount, see how sentiment was, this is velocity. So sentiment pops above the, the 6.0 red line. That's where you remove some money. It comes back down and bottoms, put more money back to work, remove some money, put money back to work, uh, remove some money, put money back to work, remove some money. Ooh, oh, now what? So the whole trend line has lost its verve. Yeah. To me, this is something that tells, tells the, the people like me who think about market structure, the weird guys with the wild hair, and the graying beard, <laughs> there, that that is a dangerous condition. I think that they, I've said this uh, since April that I think the market is setting up for a surprise. The difficult part is I don't know where it comes. This tells me though that money has stopped moving, and at some point that's going to create real problems for the equity market. And it's not predicated on fundamentals. It's not create. It's I could give you all the arguments against it. Uh, you know, the, uh, earnings are going to be great. Because you have tremendous comparatives versus yeah. the second quarter last year. Yeah, That's right. going to be awesome. Fed is, is providing great support. Congress is providing fiscal and policy support. All of those things are occurring. And yet I look at this and it reminds me, uh, I like to reference old people like uh, Blaise Pascal and, uh, and Thomas Gresham, advisor to the Tudors back in the 17th century too, who said, who coined Gresham's law, who said, if you create cheap money, bad money, and you say it's worth the same as the good money, the gold and the silver, what will happen is people will absorb all the gold and silver and hoard it and spend the cheap money. And at some point, there will be nothing left to buy. Then prices fall. And I think that very thing is playing out here. So what so, would I do as a trader? Yeah, that's well, what I was going to ask you. Question. 10 to 20%. 10 to 20% of my resources, I'm in things only with high probability rising sentiment, flat to falling short volume. Otherwise, I'm not trading that market. 
So you're still spooked here. Even though the S&P made a new all-time high on Friday, you're still spooked because what you see here uh, doesn't support that. Exactly right. And that's not uncommon. It is not uncommon at the peak of the market for the market to give you a false sense of security. It did it here. It does it routinely. There was a top. The market shot up. But it wasn't a great time. Then we gave a bunch of that back. I'm not saying, look, I'm not predicting that the market's about to fall apart. But one day is not a trend. To say that the market goes up, you know, the Dow goes up 400 points, and yet sentiment's going the opposite direction, which thing will I believe? Prices are capricious. Prices can be set by machines that don't want to own anything at the end of the day. Sentiment is a good read on supply and demand. And I can see that demand is weakening. And if I look across my whole dashboard, every sector except healthcare has rising short volume. And so that means that the supply is increasing and demand is diminishing. Those things tend tend to produce unexpected declines and options expire Thursday, Friday, and then next Wednesday. Tim, uh, does the platform account for retail activity at all? Because as, oh. some, as somebody in the chat pointed out, still the retail traders, maybe not entirely, but like yes. some parts of them, they tend to move in packs. Oh, yes, they do. But remember, almost none of I know as a trader, because I actually pay a commission, not a lot. I pay a commission at interactive brokers so I can see where my trade executes. Uh-huh. So, oh, so oh, since September of last year, I have had three trades execute at an exchange. One of those execute, and I trade fairly frequently, not like you, Dennis, but I'm an, I'm an active trader. And uh, uh, the, 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 those three trades, one of them occurred in an NYSC RLP, that's called a re- retail liquidity program. So yeah. a high-speed trader was paid $0.03 cents 100 to take the other side of my trade. That's yeah. the, and it was a market trade. It was a marketable trade, meaning I, I submit this to execute at the best bidder offer between them. And the other two were at IEX, and they were also market orders. No limit order is ever going to be at the stock market. And what do the brokers tell you over and over and over? Retail traders always use limit orders. Now, why do they do that? So they can sell it. That's why. (laughs) They can sell it to somebody else. But that's who the parties that are going to get that order flow are fast traders. 98 to 99% of retail order flow will be consumed by Citadel, Virtu, uh, Hudson River Trading is now getting into that business. By the way, I had a lengthy exchange on Twitter about three and a half years ago with Doug Sifu before they bought uh, the, what became the Knight Getco combination. And that's what Virtu bought. And I said, you know, Doug, you can go buy retail order flow and furnish it to a li- retail liquidity program. And he said, oh, if we could do that, we would be in that business. Well, they're in that business. That's what they did. Once they bought that, they realized, oh, yes, you can. So you buy retail flow from Robinhood and you turn around and you're paid to furnish it at a better price at the exchange. That's the only way that your order flow as a pack gets to the market. The reason retail packs of order flow can cause a stock to rise is because Citadel or Hudson River Trading or Virtu can manufacture stock to fill the limit orders. We've talked about that before. In fact, I'm doing a boot camp on it at, for the money show this time around tomorrow. I'm going to explain how meme stocks work at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time tomorrow. Uh, and it's free. You could come to it. Just go to moneyshow.com and you, you can come see that program. But I'm going to talk about how that works. And I think everybody should understand it. You should know as a retail trader what happens to your order. 
Where does it go? Because then you can turn it to your advantage. You can watch your own effect in a stock where there's a rise in short volume and sentiment is rising. That is order flow being manufactured to fill your trades. When that goes down and when it returns the second time, you better be out because now the high speed traders know that the supply and demand and limit orders has reached a nexus and then the stock will go down. And it happens very predictably in meme stocks, which you can track right here on Market Structure Edge. All right. Tim Quas joins our show every Monday to drop knowledge uh, <laughs> and uh, tell us all about where our orders really are going or aren't going. Uh, MarketStructureEdge.com is the platform. Link is up on the screen. Tim, always a pleasure. We'll talk to you again next Monday. See you in a week, guys. Should be interesting. All right. Thanks, all right. Uh, it is 8.50. Wow, time flies. We're having fun. 8.56. Uh, I, I didn't want to cover it real fast. CLDX is your big mover of the day. They, yep. they had some drug news out Friday. Yeah. Friday night, I believe. And I tweeted this out Friday night. I believe I was the first one to actually tweet this out. It broke from Dow Jones. Um, I tweeted it seconds after uh, the news broke. Um, this thing, I never took a position on it because there was just nothing in there. Um, it I think the lowest trade was maybe 35 or 36, you know, and I was like, uh, do you want to pay up 10, 15% for this headline? And it blasted off so quickly. Like, I mean, this is what we talked about in the after hours trading. Some stocks just don't have a market. You think, yeah. oh, I'll buy this at 32 and a half or 33 or 34. There's no offers there. So yeah. I think the first trade was 35 or 36 and it might've been a hundred shares. So it really never started trading volume until it was up over 40. And then it started to get a little more active up there. But yeah, uh, big headline here. This is your big move of the day. It's a 35%. I mean, it seemed like a very small... This is a phase 1B trial, and they they, they said uh, of the 19 patients who got the full dose of their drug, 18 of them re, uh, achieved a complete response, uh, and, 19, and the 19 saw a partial response. So 19 people, not exactly a large sample size, but it's early. It's a phase 1B study. So there will be more, yeah. but that's your big mover of the day. Other big mover of the day um is just a this is the meme stock today is mtsl uh this is just your crazy you know um trending stock of the day it's always one of these there's always one and that's mtsl is this is your reddit stock of the day or your meme I, stock I don't i don't want to call it a reddit stock because i don't okay. know if it's being talked about on reddit but this is your trend you know what let's do this let's call this the viral stock of the day because that's really what there it is. you go it's virality right this is the viral stock of the day mts and to an extent friday too you got to be ch careful chasing all these moves in these stocks. Yeah. And I don't follow the individual story. I've actually, I don't even know if I've ever even heard of this company. So it's a small one. Yep. Um, so I know nothing about MTSL, but let's, let me bring you an example of what happens to these, you know, some, some of, yes. the, of these people who are chasing Dude. some of these crazy moves. Look at MDLY. Okay. Bring up MDLY and you can see this was a, this was a meme stock or I don't know if it was Reddit or which social media platform, but they were pumping this thing and it went from $5 to almost $13, $12.94. I mean, a lot of these companies are small penny stocks or small stocks for a reason. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the long-term chart of this thing, you know, all-time highs up, you know, or not even all-time, back in 2014, it was $160 and it's five bucks. I yeah. mean, you don't want to put serious money into this kind of stuff because this happens. So MDLY had the big gap up back on June the 10th. If you're looking for a quote for it now, you're going to have to look under MDLYQ because it went bankrupt. So it, it literally at five dollars and eighty-eight cents they announced that's it, game over, delisted, July sixth, and the stock now is trading under MDLYQ. I believe it's trading under a buck. So there you go. I mean, you got to watch chasing some of these moves. Don't put serious money into any of this stuff, in my opinion, because I think um, at the end of the day, a lot of these stocks 
that are getting pumped on social media and you know you know they got a high short interest or they've got something a lot of these companies just aren't very good companies so and- you've just got to be careful just chasing random stocks because you know what fundamentals when stock goes bankrupt fundamentals hit head on and this is a fundamental, you know, this could maybe wasn't trading on fundamentals, was tramped at five, but here you are two weeks later, bankrupt company, fundamentals head on, delisted, stock I believe is under a buck now. And and um, Noah's asking who is the typical loser on these pump and dump days? It's this person up there. It's, it's, it's everybody who bought these things. I mean, that's the one thing. You got to watch these. And I don't know who's pumping and dumping. We're not calling right. people out here. It seems like everybody's talking their book out there. But all we're saying is there is a lot of scams out there right now. There is a lot of people who are intentionally like just going and using Reddit and trying to get their stock on Reddit. And Reddit's doing a great job at trying, Wall Street Bets, trying to moderate it. You know, because they're they're having like, you know, certain to even yeah. post there now, there's criterion now because yeah. everybody's like, oh, I want to pump my stock. Sure. And there's crooked people out there that will literally just try to get their, you know, try to buy up a whole bunch of stock and then try to get it into social media to pump it up and then try to dump it to into the spike. They're trying to get that, you know, social media buzz going behind their name. It's a classic pump and dump. These things are everywhere right now. So you got to be really careful. I mean, some of these, you know, some. We have some great research out there. There's some people who really know, do their homework and do due diligence and find some good stuff out there. And, you know, I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking like there's literally some scammers out there that are just buying up stocks and then trying to get the social media like pump going sure. and everybody talking about it so they can sell into it. And it's you that are the loser. I don't typically trade any of this stuff. I don't like trading these small cap companies for that reason, uh, just because there is a hell of a lot of risk. Uh, but, you know, there is some, you know, sometimes you trade them and sometimes you get screwed on them, too. I mean, so there, there is, you know, I've been screwed on a lot of penny stocks, you know, over the years. Yeah. Um, but it's tough, you know, in the long run. I never made a lot of money trading penny it, stocks. It, it, always... literally, it literally is a modern day boiler room is what it is. Boiler room it, you've for... got to be really oh, careful. Boiler rooms are gone, stuff. but this is this is the modern day boiler room now. You've got to be really careful with this. Yeah, stuff. that's all. I'm. That's all I'm using that as an example of. You just got to be careful. Like not all of these. And I know everybody wants to. I'm not saying AMC. I'm not saying GameStop. But when stocks are disconnected from fundamentals, sometimes they reconnect with fundamentals very quickly. In this case of MDLY, this reconnected with fundamentals overnight. Like I don't think anybody saw five dollars and eighty-eight cents. Obviously, people didn't think that they went five. You go to the Benzinga Pro, maybe you can see the headline, Spencer, for the MDLY one. Um, when when it actually what it actually announced. But I mean, it's five dollars and eighty-eight cents. There's no real hint that it's like not like fifty cents Look, or a dollar. I mean, June, June, so. June. So on the Thursday, the CEO resigned. Maybe that yeah. was a tell. Yeah. And then the following Tuesday, they halted the stock. And then on the Wednesday, they announced the bankruptcy. Yeah. So and now it's in the paint, or now it's off board. Right. O- OTC. If, if your CEO and COO are resigning, those are those are signs that you might want to sell. Generally, not so, a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So and you know, like I said, I've been you know screwed in a lot of these different stocks before as well. I've had lots of stocks go bankrupt on me. It does happen. Um, but you know, it's speculative capital. You're trading around the pennies. I always say, I don't see you as like, it's like gambling money. You know, these are call options. And, you know, sometimes, you know, these things don't work out. But, you know, I get fearful when I see people piling all of their net wealth into like, you know, one stock, you know, because everybody's talking about this and this is the next big one and this is going to go. I mean, it's dangerous stuff. So I, I don't know. I like to stay diversified and I typically, you know, like to stay with more blue chip companies with a lot of my trading. But that's me. I mean, if you're if out of luck with pennies and it's doing really well for you, you yeah. know, it's mm-hmm. do with what 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 works for you. Yeah. But I'm saying if you're newer to trading and you're thinking this is the way to riches, 
it typically isn't. There's I never met a lot of people that are getting rich off penny stocks besides the people who are actually running these, like, you know, that are running these scams. So, all right. On that note, Dennis, we'll see you tomorrow. Have a good day. Okay. Hey, smash, Pick, the, smash the like for Dennis. Let's go. Likes are that <laughs> Maybe some people didn't like what I say because a lot of people that like the penny stocks. So that's fine. I you just poo pooed like, them pretty good. Like what you like. All right. But drop, like what you like. Like what you like, including this video. All right. It is Monday at nine o'clock. Let's bring on our man, Matt Hammond from IPO Warriors to preview. Well, first to recap last week and to preview this week in IPO land. Matt, good morning. How was your weekend? Uh, my weekend was great. How was yours, Spencer? It was okay. I watched a lot of sports yesterday. It was a great day for sports watching. Uh, let's talk about IPOs, though. Uh, Sounds good to me. This week, as I understand it, the calendar is uh, a little bit on the quiet side. Uh, it's filling up a little bit more than we had last week. Last week okay. was about as quiet as it gets. Okay. And what was on the calendar last week, about half of them were Chinese IPOs that uh, understandably and predictably got uh, pulled. Killing me here. I think uh, everyone who sold off on their Chinese stocks at the beginning of the week, at least yeah. right now, feels pretty good about that. Um, my feeling on the Chinese IPOs right now is unless they are one of these kind of stealth IPOs or super low float, uh, which seems to be you know still in vogue, which is pretty much what we had last week, uh, I'm going to want to see a couple of them do well before I step back in the water on those plays. And it's pretty interesting to, to you know to spectate on not speculate to spectate on um, but not something I, I don't want to be um, you know the guinea pig on the next big Chinese IPO that that sees kind of takes the temperature of the market because it's this point doesn't look like any smart or long-term money um, is buying in unless you're very very long term and willing to wait you know years for uh, for this to all shake out but on the short term I don't see a lot of upside catalysts for, you know, anybody coming in and saying, oh, no, everything's great now. No, we're in the, you know, the kind of early to the middle stages of what's playing out to be, you know, economic warfare. And I don't see it being, uh, I don't see anyone waving the white flag anytime soon. And until we get more cooperation and, uh, you know, symbiotic feelings of mutual uh, participation in these marketplaces, uh, China and the U.S. are kind of going head to head. So, if you want to buy these dips, buy these dips. I've been playing Chinese stocks since about 2016, 17. I lived in China for 10, 11 years. Um, I'm not going back into that uh, into that pool anytime soon. So, how did you do last week? Uh, oh man, I mean. I had it nailed. I called out and I sent out in my newsletter these two stocks, uh, MITQ and SNTG. And I sent out a pretty lengthy newsletter on Wednesday before MITQ went live on Thursday. SNTG was Friday and I pretty much called them perfectly. Uh, warned that SNTG might debut super high and that if it did, you probably didn't want to get too close to it. And MITQ, everybody you know, had everything you wanted. Uh, the only problem for me was it debuted on the Amex. I didn't have the indication price and I missed the limit entry. So, I mean, we've all had trades, whether it's a, an IPO trade or I'm sure you have trades you remember where you uh, put your limit order just a few cents too low and then the stock blew up and, you know, you're probably still kicking yourself about it to this day. And this was uh, one of those for me. But, you know, you play, I've played probably 100 IPOs or so now. 
you're going to miss some, you're going to get out early. Sometimes you're going to have some losers and you know, you can't kick yourself out, you know, about it too much. You got to think about it till you can take something constructive away from it. Mine, you know, was okay. Well, when you know that the demand is there and you can't see it, just way overbid it. Make sure you get in because missing the bus when you know, or missing, you know, the rocket ship when you know it's going to lift off is worse than trying to optimize. You know, I would have rather had gotten the trade and not been able, you know, maybe not bought as many shares as I could have um, than completely miss it like I did. But, you know, these things happen and you got to uh, learn, learn from your mistakes. After that, put it behind you have a short memory on these things in terms of the emotional impact and, you know, look for the next trade, add it to your memory bank and, and move on. So the thing that I talked about in my letter that I sent out on Wednesday was what are the difference in some of the patterns we see in what are purely low float versus what is a, you know, what I've come to call a stealth IPO. And the real difference in terms of what they are is a low float IPO is simply a small company with a small market cap, you know, therefore they're going to have, few shares and a low share price. And people have keyed in on these, but they don't tend to experience the same kind of explosive multi-day runs that the stealth IPOs, which are more intentionally uh, pumped, you know, or kind of manipulated plays that we've talked about how it appears that there's something else going on. Uh, and, and this is such a clear example where moving image technology had hype and was low float because of ties to AMC. They're a digital movie projector. They had a really low float. And, you know, people liked all that, but it didn't look like something where, you know, this was a Chinese, this wasn't a Chinese company where they were trying to look like they were trying to launder money out of China, which is exactly what Centage looks like. And it was Centage Holdings was like a debt collection. It was almost like a loan, like a bounty hunter company out of China and no Chinese companies are going public right now. Why this company? And what we'll see in a second is, you know, exactly what you want to look out for, because when these debut at a lower price, you know, something in the 10 to $15 range, they're leaving an opportunity for the market for people like us to get in and play the game with them. But when they debut at a super high price, as we'll see, they're not really, they don't really want you to come and play and you're playing with fire. If you, uh, if you decide to jump in the water there. So with moving image technologies, as I you know, said, predicted before, was that we'd get this initial run of halts, which are I always like to get out at least 80%, 90% of my position on this initial run up. So on the first halt, you might say, okay, I'm going to take 10 or 20% out now, or I'm going to wait for the second halt. By the second halt, you want to be about half out, in my opinion. By the third halt, this is usually where I'm going to dump you know, the next 30%. And if we get another jump up, maybe I'll decide right then is good enough to exit everything. Maybe I'll hold 10 or 20% to see if we get a day two rally. Uh, we don't see with the pure low float IPOs, we typically don't see this day two rally. There is some hype in the morning and we've talked about having a Webull account allows you to sell early in the pre-market on this, uh, you know, jump here at say five to 5.30 a.m. Eastern. And yes, this right here is a higher sell point than most of day one, but it was very quickly. I mean, this was a downward. I think there were two halts here. And then now it's you know down at $15, $16. So we don't see the kind of runs that we see with the stealth IPOs. This is usually where I'd sell anything that I had held just because I don't really need to stick around for day two if the only thing carrying this is a low float. 
<clears throat> but with the stealth, there's kind of the stealth IPO that runs like we saw with CPOP, which I loaded up right here so you can see. CPOP did this like first day, halt, 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 and then leveled out a little bit. And then day two was really one where you, you know, could have taken immense profits if you held on to maybe 10 or 20%. I think it's a little risky to hold on to a majority of your position or even half your position because you don't know what's going to happen. But holding on to 20% allows you to take a really big win. I mean, you could have gotten out at 60 or $70 on a stock that you bought in for $12 the day before. Um, but this is a stealth IPO. This is a stealth IPO. Um, but the difference is the debut price. This Both of these were about $5 on the IPO, whereas Centage, they, NTG, they debuted this at $42.99. So when I see a $5 stock debut at $42.99, I mean, you know that it's not going to stay at that. It's not a sexy company. It's not an interesting company. They don't have incredible growth or an interesting product. This is somebody moving money from China to the West by, you know, selling a bunch of IPO shares to their cousin or uncle or friend in New York from Shanghai and, you know, then buying them back at obscene prices and essentially moving their money through the markets out of, uh, you know, kind of locked up Chinese bank accounts to Western accounts. And you, yeah, there was a chance to get some money here if you took the ride from 42 to 52, but it's super risky. I mean, as soon as it turned around, it was back down to, 32 in a heartbeat and it often will not come back at all. This one gave you a little bit of an out if you're a bag holder, but this thing's not, you know, if it goes back up, it might do what TIRX did and go up to a hundred. And then all of a sudden one day just out without warning fell 90%. So I, I don't think that you want to get in these simply because the upside is minimal and the downside is super risky. Um, we saw this exact same phenomenon with JZXN. Uh, this was about a month or two ago, and it debuted at 45, went up to 49, and then crashed. Now it trades at $5 a share. So obviously something beyond just retail demand is driving the prices on these. And that's why I call them stealth because they really go live with very little fanfare. They're often put on the calendar the day before they debut or very rarely on Monday, they're usually like Tuesday for a Thursday IPO. And the dynamics on these are different. So you want to play them differently uh, than just something that's low float. And things you want to look out for are, you know, some kind of Chinese or foreign origin of the company. And then there's certain underwriters, uh, Network One Financial being the most egregious one uh, recently. They're the same ones that brought us CPOP and uh you know, understanding that dynamic of how they handle the pre-debut pricing, you know, through the indication price is really the indicator that I'm keying off on to determine whether I'm going to play this or not. So if I get something that's just above the IPO price, it's kind of like, oh, wait, this probably there's no demand. I don't know how this is going to go up. If I get something that's, you know, 200 or 300 percent of the IPO price in the sort of 10 to 15 dollar range, I like that. That shows me that there's demand here. It's, they're setting it up to run. If I see it 900%, 1,000% above the IPO price, it's time to step back and kind of watch the fireworks from the sideline and just say, look, there might be an opportunity to take a 10 or 20% win here, but I don't want to get involved in something where I could also take a 50% loss if I you know, mistime this thing. So 
anyway, that's the, the reason I focus on these, even though they're not interesting names, is I've made you know, a significant amount of money on playing the right ones, on playing C-pop, on, on playing uh, VR, AR, and would have done really well. And I helped a lot of other people get some, you know, make some good profits on MITQ. So that's why I, I see these as huge opportunities, even though they're not, you know, blockbuster names. So we do have a pretty full slate this week, uh, assuming some of these don't continue to get moved and more might be added. Um, some of these are names we've seen before. So I'm going to run through them since I spent a bit of time talking about those IPOs from last week. Uh, Unicisive Therapeutics, we've seen this one just get rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled. So I really don't know if it's going to go this week. Some kidney disease, injury biotech, it was on uh, Webull's IPO offerings, the Click IPO offerings. Roth Capital is the underwriter. People tend not to like uh, them for some reason. The only thing attractive about this is the 2.63 million shares, but um, for some reason, I just don't like this one that much. Maybe it pops a little bit from, say, an IPO price of five. Maybe they'll go live at six. Maybe it runs to seven and then comes back to four or five. So I don't want to get stuck in something right now. I'm about to go on vacation this week. I'll be gone for two weeks and um, you know, can still do the show, but I'm not going to try to be staring at my phone all the time while we're you know, out on a boat or something like that. So um, don't really love this. Uh, don't really love this play. Uh, AMTD, we've talked about this again. I've lost count <laughs> as to how many times. They're a digital banking services firm in Hong Kong. Hong Kong, people say, well, it's not China, but actually Hong Kong is becoming more and more Chinese. Um, and China is not slowly or subtly exerting more and more influence over Hong Kong. You know, in the last couple of years, a lot of other banks and financial institutions are leaving for Singapore. So to me, this falls into the really unsettling area of Chinese, um, you know, financial and banking and data. I mean, this is in the red zone right now and they've rescheduled a bunch of times. So I think I don't really want to get involved with this one. Um, then we have Phyllis, Phillips Edison and company, some kind of, REIT for grocery chains uh, and grocery management consulting. Uh, they do expect to have a dividend. Their numbers were pretty badly hit by COVID. So in some ways, this is a, maybe a reopening play. I just don't think it's a very exciting retail play. So uh, if you want to get in early on something where the dividend could go up, you know, maybe, maybe it's appealing to a certain segment of investors, but I don't think we're going to see a big spike on this. So right now I'm looking for pretty high conviction plays. And this one just looks like something that'll trade mostly sideways. Maybe you pick up a point, maybe you lose a point. Um, maybe you get in early on something that goes up a little and the dividend goes up, but I'm going to probably pass on this one. You've got Membership Collective, which is a kind of upscale luxury co-working space, um, which reads a little bit like WeWork for elites. And for those of you who followed the WeWork IPO, it's kind of one of the case examples of disasters that, you know, I'm so glad they did an IPO because it might have been hyped enough to get into, but it was destined to just bomb. Um, membership Collective has got some sexiness to it. They do Scorpio's Beach Club in uh, Mykonos, Greece. They've got Soho House, Soho Works. So they've got very upscale. They're appealing to a, you know, luxury crowd. Um, but their financials are pretty bad. And I think given the comparisons to WeWork and a float that's pretty just average, 
I don't think this is going to get much movement and doesn't have anything that makes me want to jump into it. F45 training. I don't know if you guys know or are old enough to remember that uh, Mark Wahlberg was originally known as Marky Mark, and he came out with this uh, Good Vibrations video where he's basically just working out. So Wait, he's let his... This is his chain? So he's like, he signed on, I guess, three or four years ago as kind of like an investor and spokesperson. Okay. But yeah, this is his fitness chain. Okay. And they're known for functional 45-minute workouts. And if you believe Marky Mark only works out for 45 minutes a day, no way. Well, maybe go sign up for F45. Um, they've got like, so they, they did try to get into some like home workouts, uh, over the, over COVID because no one was going to their gyms. Um, but they announced in their S1 that they don't really expect to follow this route. So maybe this is a reopening trade. Maybe some people like Marky Mark enough or sorry, Mark Wahlberg, as I should rightfully call him. Um, but with shrinking revenue, increasing losses, I don't really know that people want to, I just don't know about this one either. So no reason, no compelling reason for me to, to play this. Uh, site Sciences, this one sounds a little bit interesting, but I tend to shy away from biotechs and I'll be on an airplane July 15th, so I kind of have to miss all these. Medical devices for eye conditions. Uh, they treat glaucoma, they treat dry ionis. With, you know, they have two devices that are sort of heading into um, you know, actual use. And they do have accelerating growth and from what I've read by other industry, you know, physicians, this seems to be pretty interesting. Um, 33% revenue growth is pretty good for something that's still just very early in the rollout of their devices. Uh, 6.98 million shares. This one might be interesting given the other, you know, options of the day. If I was just sitting around my computer feeling a little bit bored and antsy to get in on something. I might play this one for you know maybe a half position and just see what it did. It's interesting enough. Uh, Sarah Prognos Prognosis. Uh, this is a diagnostics company that creates biomarker tests for pregnancy, uh, different types of pregnancy issues. And the first one that they have out is preterm. It's a test that predicts the likelihood of premature birth. So kind of interesting, but I don't think it's going to get much hype or interest. And I think it's looks like one of those IPOs that might debut below the IPO price and with a low enough float, push it back up. Uh, if I saw that and I was sitting around playing it, I might say, okay, well, nothing else to do today. I'll pick up, you know, 50 cents or a dollar per share on something like this if I saw the right setup. But I'm guessing that this is not going to be a, uh, a high flyer or anything to get too excited about. Uh, Stevenato Group. This one sounds pretty interesting, especially because it's the kind of play that institutional buyers will like. Uh, they do lab equipment, containers, diagnostic tests, etc., and they have rapidly growing revenue and they are profitable. So 40% revenue growth in three months ending March 31st, 2021, 65% profit group growth, which is really high for any kind of you know retail, um, or not retail, but any kind of physical goods uh, vendor. The only thing that makes this sort of a hmm for me is 40 million shares. That's getting up into that share count area where we're starting to see things kind of trade flat or down off their IPOs. Um, I have to check the date again. I've seen it listed on the 15th and the 16th. If I am near my phone or can trade this while you know I'm in on the ground, I might put in an order for this one. I'm going to kind of feel it out during the week, but 
this one's interesting. I'm gonna. I'm not gonna say this is uh, at this point at this early in the week. I'm usually just crossing the ones off that I really don't want to play, so that I can focus on the ones that I might play. This one's a maybe. Uh, Bridge Investment Group, vertically integrated real estate investment management with over 26 billion assets under management across 40 states. Um, I don't know enough about real estate. Real estate holdings haven't tended to do much on the first day, so probably wouldn't play this one. Um, Blend Labs, this one's kind of more in line with what we've seen over the last year do pretty well, uh, but I'm not sure it'll have much of the brand recognition. It's a cloud-based software platform that allows banks to white label digital financial services. So if you believe that you know digital finance and digital bank services are replacing traditional bank services, there's a little bit of an in-between play because this company is going to legacy banks and old banks and saying, hey, you need to modernize your platforms and your offerings here and you get left behind. And, you know, we have a, you know, a, a platform that you can white label and offer, you can catch up, you know, to these digital banks. And they don't have a traditional SaaS model. They have a per transaction model, which tells me that they ultimately believe in their platform enough to do more of a revenue share than just try to sell out their platform. And they have incredibly high revenue retention rate, which is, means that for every dollar spent by their clients, uh, their clients are ending up spending $1.62 uh, the following year. So they're keeping the customer and growing the customers that they have. Revenue is up 104% in the three months ending March 31st, 20, you know, 2021. So the fact that they're growing operating losses doesn't bother me too much as an IPO that's clearly in growth mode. The float is just 20 million shares. So this one sort of looks interesting to me. It's sort of like a FinTech for old tech, um, you know, play. And it's got that kind of, uh, it's in, it's got a lot of those buzzwords that have done well on IPOs. And uh, I might try to play this on the road. Um, and then this one's been on Webull and on Click IPO for a while. It was originally, we covered it back in March uh, on this show actually. And what makes this interesting is that it's super low float. So it's 2.3 million shares, uh, but it is still available on Webull, which tells me that maybe people aren't buying it up that, you know, with that much demand that might change by Friday. Um, but it's very early stage device uh, for infusing oxygen to the blood supply, which of course would be helpful for you know, wide range of treatments and conditions, uh, getting oxygen into the blood supply um, helps people recover better. It's less invasive, I guess, than uh, some other uh, solutions, but they haven't even started any clinical trials. They're not, you know, really expecting to get any FDA certification until 2022. So if you do play this, I would take, and you do get an opportunity to take profits early on, I would, because I don't see any catalysts beyond and, you know, the IPO itself uh, coming for a long time. Fantastic. And it, yeah. And, and it's uh, it does have a have warrants, which um, sometimes cause problems with the trading desks on day one. We saw that with Alfie, uh, which has recently you know blown up. But on day one, Alfie was a total mess on Webull. They like weren't showing the price. It wasn't orderable. And I got an allocation and warrants. It was all confused. They, I mean, sometimes the trading desk struggle to understand I mean, it seems ridiculous because you think of our oh, our trading desk should be really regulated and highly professional and on top of this 
but it's amazing how many times they mess up, uh, especially on IPO debuts. And then the last one uh, we have that showed up on one calendar and I didn't see it elsewhere, uh, but I did want to cover it because it does look interesting, even though it's a biotech. Uh, this is T-Scan Therapeutics. They are a preclinical T-cell-based treatment for cancers, the lead candidate uh, that treats residual leukemia. Um, but what's interesting about this biotech, and even though I tend not never to play biotechs, the ones that have done well are the ones that have a platform and interest from other key players. So these guys have a platform um, that's based around this kind of this approach where they monitor uh, T like different T cell properties, and then they monitor uh, patients who have responded well to treatments and beaten cancer, and those who have not favored so uh, so well. And then they kind of adjust their, you know, their their treatments according to those who have done well to recognize patterns, wow. uh, to improve the T cell uh, configuration. Sorry, I'm not a doctor. I don't, you know, I'm not yeah. going to be saying these things 100% correctly. But they do have partnerships with, you know, major pharma's, including Novartis, and the share the float is pretty low. So there's a good chance that institutions or other long-term investors will eat up the shares. I don't see a lot of shares being, you know, liquidated or dumped. Uh, this doesn't look like something where they're just going to market to dump a bunch of shares. They're, you know, they're raising money. Um, so if this picks up, th this reminds me a little bit of I think it was MIDI a couple of weeks ago that had a five million share float, like five or six million share float, and it was for that was that lab-grown implantable organs, and you know they have some partnerships as well. And when that one debuted it you know gave her very went up like five or six dollars from about i think it was 12. so it went 12 to 11 up to like 16. so these yeah. can offer good plays on the ipo again though you don't want to be holding these into day two or day three don't don't be expecting yeah. a point. if you get an opportunity to take some points you know ring the register uh move on to the next trade these start trading very very thinly and it's you know with huge spreads and you can be you know waiting you just don't, you don't want to be stuck in these for a long Got period it. of time. You Got it. get All in, right. you get out, and then that's it. Matt Hammond, I got to let you run. IPOWarriors.com, link is up on the screen. Joins us every Monday. Thanks a lot, Matt. We'll talk to you next Monday. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. I'll be sending out more detail. Uh, IPOWarriors.com. I'll be sending up a write-up on these uh, in a couple hours. So There we go. All right, research. thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks, thanks a lot, Matt. All right, guys. Uh, space is really leaking here into the open. It's been leaking the entirety of the pre-market session here. Opened at the high. Almost got to 60. There's your opening bell. We're open at $49 after hitting almost 60 at 4 a.m. this morning. So there's your space chart. Uh, you know, we talked about this at the top of the show. Uh, An auspicious start to the day for that. Uh, David Green is live now. He is live trading the open. I'm sure he'll be looking at this stock uh, as well as others. If you have questions, you want him to look at your your stock, drop uh, hop into that stream. It is right now on Benzinga. This stream will end. It'll redirect to David. He'll be going to about 11 o'clock. We've got SPACs Attack live today with Nicolo Damasi. Uh, uh, director of DMY Technology Group. That's a company that is merging with um, Planet. That's a, that's the company that the SPAC is buying. Uh, Nicolo Damasi will be on at 11.15. That's ticker DMYT. We got the Power Hour. Get technical, moon or bust. Uh, my two at the close today. I'm not quite sure because Joel's out. Money Mitch and Trend Spider wrapping up today at 5 o'clock. Uh, and the Rail Report.
uh, at seven. Okay, that's a wrap for me, guys. Drop me a like if you could. I'd appreciate it. Please remember, all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes, not for investing or trading advice. I'll be back later. David Green is live right now. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.